Hello. Hello. It's um, it's that time of the week again, isn't it? It certainly is. It's factorially. Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And hello, Bruce. And hello, Simon. Good. That's all the hellos out of the way. <laughs> oh, and we've got more than one listener now. We've got a second one. We've got, we've got two listeners. Wow. Who's the second one? Uh, the second one is my best friend, um, Paddy. Oh, I thought I was your best friend. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, well. Got to face the truth sometime. <laughs> Paddy says he hates podcasts, but he'll listen to this one. Wow. Well done, Paddy. Thank you. That Thank is, you, That Paddy. is true loyalty. Nice one. I need to bring some of my friends along at some point. <laughs> um, now, before we begin, I would like to state that uh, it turns out I have a cold and uh, my voice is a couple of semitones lower than it usually is. Uh, which in one in one sense is really nice because it sounds rather suave and sexy. On the other hand, I may cough. That's all right. We, so we just can, to warn you. We, we can cut your coughs out <laughs> whilst you're doing your Barry White impression. We got it together, didn't we? <laughs> so what's, what's today's subject? Well, today's subject, there's a slight imbalance between the two of us in our knowledge. So there are many things that, that Bruce and I have in common. We're both professional voiceover artists. We both love history and useless facts. We both enjoy going for a stroll around London. We're both six foot three. Yeah. You can't see this, but we both have beards and glasses. Gosh, actually, we're the same person. Um, one thing we do not have in common is a mutual appreciation for motor vehicle stuff. So, Bruce, you are something of a petrol head, aren't you? Uh, you might say that, yes. <laughs> um, my my knowledge and experience of, of cars is that I buy them as cheap as possible, I drive them until they stop working, and then I sort of move on. So you buy them one at a time? Okay, well, that needs discussing. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start there. How many cars do you have, Bruce? Um, that, that, that's, uh, <laughs> I used to have more than I do now. Okay, fine. Yes, yeah, so the, the, the format for today is that I'm going to pick out what I think are interesting facts about cars and Bruce is going to say, no, no, that's totally wrong. This is actually the truth. I have to say, actually, I think you'll find... Yes, there you go. It's Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Latin, um, I always like to start these things with a bit of etymology. The word car comes from the Latin carus, C-A-R-R-U-S, which means literally a, a wheeled vehicle. And that brings us things like carriage and chariot. Cart. Cart, exactly, all that sort of thing. I, I'm, I'm yet to determine a, a distinct difference between car and automobile is that just an americanization i think it is so um yeah so there, there'll, there'll sort of be um a, a few crossovers in in terms of what you actually call a car do you have a particular moment in history or a particular image in in your head of what is the first car what what is what is the first vehicle that you can rightly say that is a car as opposed to a whatever Generally accepted is that it was the Benz. That's a that's an album by Radiohead. <laughs> so Carl Carl Benz in eighteen eighty five. There were a lot of other people before him who came up with lots of innovations and clever stuff, mm. but he was the first person to put it all together into a three wheel vehicle, and with with a with a internal combustion engine, and call it um, uh, a car in German. Right. Okay. So Benz. I I recognise the the name. Benz. It's usually for me. It's usually preceded by the the name Mercedes. Well, yes, it used to be preceded by the name Daimler or Daimler. Oh. 
So okay. um, Gottlieb Daimler, in uh, he, he also invented a, a car together with a guy called uh, Wilhelm Maybach. Right. Um, that was a, and that was the first four-wheel vehicle, and that was oh, a okay. year after Carl Benz. So that was 1886. And... Um, they produced Daimler-Benzes in, in Germany, and one of the brands was Mercedes-Benz. Oh, I see. Uh, named after the Austrian ambassador's daughter, Miss Mercedes. Oh, really? Okay, so it wasn't Mr. Mercedes and Mr. Benz no, got together no, and made a car. It's, it's, it was actually a woman who inspired the name Mercedes-Benz. Oh, wonderful. So I always think to myself, when I hear of people being called Mercedes, I think, oh, how cheap naming yourself after a car. But you're telling me that the car was named after a woman in the first place. Definitely. Yes. Fine. Okay. That's changed my worldview. Um, talking of women, the first car thief was, was a woman. It was actually um, Carl Benz's wife. Okay. <laughs> who decided that uh, she wanted to visit her mother, I think in Mannheim, right. and um, couldn't be asked to walk. So she just she just took the car. She just set off on the road in this in this strange contraption to go and visit her mum. Wow. Okay, so that's the first car. But that was the first German car. I mean, we are a British podcast, so we ought to talk about yeah. the Brits, really. Go on then. Where did we begin? Well, we we began um, about ten about ten years later. Mm. There was a, a young twenty year old um, plumber and gas fitter. Uh, called William Bremer, right? Who built the first British uh, car? Right. Okay. Um, and you won't be surprised, given given his profession as a plumber and gas fitter, that it took him two years to do it, and he still hadn't finished it by the time he actually <laughs> took it out on the road. <laughs> did he? Did he finish it and go? Who did this then? That's going to leak. <laughs> 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 but if you think about all the plumbing and, and sort of like the wiring and, and all the all the bits and pieces, it mm. makes sense kind of that a plumber and gas fitter would, would be um, producing yeah. the first car. And oh, the, the French got in on the act as well. I mean, actually slightly before we did. Okay. Um, and uh, the, the very first run on public roads was in 1895. Right, uh, okay. It's a long time ago. That is a long time ago, isn't it? I, I sort of think of early cars and um i i live in in surrey and i live quite close to brooklands uh the the racing track turned uh airplane manufacturer turned museum and i sort of think of that edwardian era as, as sort of being the heyday of of motor vehicles and i never i would never really have thought of going back to the victorian era it just yes. seems too early for me queen victoria traveled in a car did she yes although oh. it was a french one <laughs> Unfortunately, well, that's, but that's the, okay. the very first car was French that, that actually appeared on on British roads. It was oh. a, a Panare Levasseur. Um, yeah, in eighteen ninety five, the very first run on a on a public road in a in a in a car in Britain. Right, the heads that must have turned. Well, like, what what is this strange thing frightening trundling down the track? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the things that was very sexy. It would certainly turn the heads of lots of females if you were driving a car. Because mm. that was like, oh, <gasps> oh no, this is a new, exciting, dangerous young man who's who's got yes. who's got his hands on the steering wheel of a car. He must yes. he must be really something whizzing along at probably fifteen miles per hour. Oh uh, no 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 nothing no. like that fast. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the, oh, really? The, the the first the first speeding ticket was given to a guy who was doing uh, eight miles an hour in a six. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew about this one. So this is a, a fellow called Walter Arnold. 
In uh, January 1896, he was driving in a, a place in Kent called Paddock Wood, and uh, he, he was sort of chased down. I say chased down. I mean, a police officer sort of walked after him <laughs> <laughs> and informed him that he was breaking the speed limit. Um, and, and, of course, that was a, a, a steam-powered car at the time, I guess, wasn't it? Um, yes, for steam cars, you needed a chauffeur, uh, somebody who handles hot things to uh, heat up the water in the uh, in the car. Oh, is that the origin of chauffeur? Yes. Wonderful. But um, in, in, in those days, uh, the, the, the speed limit was... Well, the speed limit was low because cars didn't really go much faster than that, but also you, you had... Um, you had someone walking in front of you waving a red flag to alert oncomers that there was a, a vehicle yes. approaching. I mean, there were all sorts of um, things about, you know, some, some people saying you have to let off fireworks or flares. I think in France oh, really? you, had, you were technically supposed to let off flares to let people know that you were coming down the road in a car. And then someone invented the horn and everything became a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Cars are one of those things that just boys and engineers really love to tinker with and, and mm. get better. I've had a love affair with cars since I was probably about four. So what's your, your earliest memory of a car? Do you have a distinct moment where you sort of, you, it, it, it suddenly clicked or you got inside a particularly nice car and thought, Ooh, Well, no, is... my, 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 my abiding very first memories of being in a car were um, being in my mum's Morris Minor because mm-hmm. uh, everybody in those days had a Morris Minor yeah. and no seatbelts and of course. and her braking very hard to avoid something and sticking her left hand out across my body to, st- to <laughs> stop me from going straight through the windscreen. <laughs> but my, my more abiding than that was actually my dad had a precursor of the transit. He had a, mm. he had a Ford Thames van. Okay. And that had the engine... Actually, in the cab, so 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 the, the the front of the car was where your was where your feet were, basically yeah. of of the van, and the engine was inboard between the between the driver's seat and the passenger seat, underneath the cover. Oh my goodness! And on a cold day, sitting on top of the engine cover was lovely. <laughs> it was really nice and warm. I I have memories of the family car. We had a a Morris Traveller. And it was one of those cars that had wooden framework in certain places yes. at the back of the car. A, a, what the Americans call a woody, as as heard in Beach Boys songs. Oh, that's what a woody is in Beach Boys songs. Yes. Ah, oh, man, the learning that goes on here. Um, and uh, I, I distinctly remember in colder times of the year, my dad saying, don't touch the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the wet woodwork in the Morris Traveller was actually growing fungus. Wow. Um, that's Probably mildly dangerous. I expect so, yeah. We, we obeyed him. We didn't touch it, so we never found out. But it did have a certain aroma to it. Yeah. I can Isn't only great. imagine. <laughs> it did have those indicators. They're called trafficators. The indicators that stick out from the oh, side of the Oh, they stick out the, the side, yes. That's right, yeah, yeah. Now, there are so many different elements, different developments that have come along in the motor vehicle industry. It would be impossible to name them all. Um, but I, some, of this, some of this is so obvious, but it was only a handful of years ago I realized that, that a windscreen is called a windscreen because it was initially put there to screen you from the wind. Yes. Because early cars didn't have a windscreen. They were entirely open. You, you were almost sort of perched... On a, on a flat platform, there was very little surrounding 
as as we sort of you know picture body the cock, work. The cockpit. No, the cockpit. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so you were totally exposed. You know, no no roof, no windscreen, no windows. Even you were just sort of totally exposed to the to the elements. And um, and so someone came along with the idea of a, a windscreen. Do you know how a dashboard gets its name? No, tell me. So this goes back to before cars, so I'm cheating slightly, but it sort of goes back to horse and carts. The dashboard sort of separated you from the horse, and a nickname for what comes out of the back of a horse was Dash. <laughs> so the dashboard was the board that stopped the people in the cart getting covered in Dash. Well, here's the thing. Isn't that great? Um, talking about sort of horse-drawn carriages and things. Mm. Driving on the left and driving on the right is quite interesting as well. And and it's basically, you can blame the whole lot on on Napoleon. Good. Um, because at one time, everybody drove on the left. But in France, the aristocracy mm. drove on the left and poor people drove on the on the right. I'm not sure that makes sense. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> so basically, if, if you saw a, ca- a carriage coming behind you that was going a bit quicker than you, yeah. you would move over to let it pass you. Oh, I see. The implication being that the rich folk the had the faster rich, carriages. Rich folk are coming past you, don't get in their way. Ah. Um, so they'll have you killed or thrown off your land or whatever. Right. Um, and so um, during the revolution, uh, aristocrats would hide their aristocracy by riding their carriages on the poor side of the road, which is the right-hand side of the road. Ah. So the the poor people and aristocrats who wanted to keep their heads um, rode on on the right-hand side. So as Napoleon conquered throughout Europe, um, the Napoleonic side of the road to drive on was adopted by all of the countries, Austria and Hungary, Mm. all those those countries adopted the the side of the road that Napoleon said you should ride on. Um, and the Americans, being revolutionaries, linked very closely with Lafayette and sure. all the all the all, all things French. When, well, mm-hmm. if we want to be revolutionary, never never mind all this driving on the left. We're going to drive on the right because that's the revolutionary side of the road to drive on. Oh wow! So it was it was mostly the, the British went. No, I'm totally sorry. We're, we're just going to stick to the driving on the left. Stick to how it was. And all of our all of our colonies will continue to drive on the left, yeah. like Australia and Hong Kong and Canada. Oh. So the whole thing is just entirely <laughs> political. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. You mentioned Austria just just briefly there. Uh, I, I went on a holiday to Austria a handful of years ago. My wife is a Sound of Music enthusiast, so obviously Salzburg and, and so on. What are her favourite things? Oh, she quite likes whiskers on kittens, that sort of thing. Snowdrops on yeah. daisies. Not, not so keen on wild geese that fly. <laughs> but there can't have it all, can you? Um, so we were driving, driving around Austria, which is just stunning. It is. And um, we were on a motorway one day, and th- th- this very odd thing kept on happening. Every time the, the traffic slowed down, the people in the left lane moved to the left, and the people in the right lane moved to the right. And I really didn't understand what was happening. At first, I sort of thought, oh, there must be some debris in the road and and people are just steering to to get out of the way. But it happened again and again and again. And I looked it up afterwards. And it turns out this is actually part of their highway code, that when you're in slow-moving traffic on a motorway, you separate to whichever is your nearest outer edge 
in order to leave a path for emergency vehicles to come through should they need to do so. Makes complete sense. Doesn't it make complete sense? The number of times you've seen an emergency vehicle in this country you know, being totally hampered by all the cars that are in the way, Weaving ultimately totally using... Yeah. yeah, totally, yeah. I thought, what a great idea, that everyone just naturally knew that's what you did. So what other what other firsts or what other innovations have, have come around? Well, petrol, um, I guess. <laughs> petrol, petrol that's quite an important one. Yes. Did you know that the word petrol was actually patented? No. It was so. So it wasn't called pet. Pe- it was called gasoline or something before then. Oh yes. Uh, but the, but a, com- a, um, a company called Carlos Capel and Le- Levasseur of right. Hackney Wick in, invented like this, discovered a slight different process, and they called it petrol, and they they patented the name petrol. Ah, right. Okay. So. There, there is a, a minor difference between petrol and gasoline in the way it's actually produced. Uh, yes, uh, which I won't go into. Um, there's also pe- the major differences between petrol and diesel. The diesel story is amazing. I don't know if you know the story of the guy who invented the de- diesel engine, Mr. Diesel. I don't. No. So, well, 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 Mr. Diesel. Yes. It was named after a man. Yes. Okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> So he was he had invented this amazing engine which was much more efficient than a petrol engine and um he decided he was going to take his invention to America to mm. um expand it and to make his fortune. Right. So he took the boat to America. Mm. And somewhere between Europe and America he fell off the boat. Fell. This is the thing is that a lot of people don't think he fell at all. They think that he was pushed. Ooh. And that that delayed the adoption of the of the diesel engine. They think it was actually more for marine purposes. Oh, that right. it, was, it was actually the people who produced marine engines, right. like steam and coal, okay. um, who didn't want this newfangled diesel engine taking, taking their uh, breakfast. Mm. So they uh, did away with him. So it took a little, more, little while longer for the diesel to, to actually make an appearance on roads and sea and not in the air because it's quite heavy. So different firsts and innovations and changes in the way things were done. Do you know, Bruce, about uh, the first number plate, the first car registration? Was it A1? No. Most people think it was A1. Uh, and in London, the first car registration number plate was A1. And because London is the centre of the universe, that has been you know, adopted into, into public knowledge. Um, that was in 1904. Uh, on the 1st of January 1904, it became compulsory for every, every car to be registered with a number plate. So you could see which car was which. Uh, but b- before that, just two months before that, November 1903, the first ever number plate was issued in Hastings. And the number plate was DY1. I don't know why it was DY. I haven't found that out. But yes, then a year later in London, the first London number plate was A1. And this was registered to the second Earl Russell, who owned a vehicle called a Napier. Yes. He said with a question mark, because I've never heard of that. But that's all right. You're nodding away, so that's good. <laughs> um, five years previously, Dutch authorities had introduced the idea of having a registration plate, but it wasn't. It didn't really sort of take off, and it certainly wasn't compulsory. 
Um, but in, in 1904, it became compulsory to have them. Can you give us a, a rough estimate of how many vehicles you've either A, owned or B, driven? So over the years, I think I've owned, owned about 37 cars and about seven motorcycles. Wow. Okay, they, so that's quite a few. Uh, I think I've owned six. <laughs> <laughs> but I've driven a lot more than that. Uh, in, a, in a previous career line, I used to be a postman before I came into the wonderful world of voiceover. Uh-huh. And... Because of that, I, I think I've probably driven about 30-odd Royal Mail vans in my time. So I may not have owned many, but I have driven a vast variety of vehicles within the van spectrum. Well, this is interesting, because I know we said we wouldn't talk about America. However, there is one interesting thing about America and left-hand drive and right-hand drive, mm-hmm. which is that although the Americans drive on the wrong side of the road... right the postmen have to get out of the car and deliver the post all the time. Yeah. So what the um, American Postal Service did is they ordered all of the um, the vans for the Postal Service with the steering wheel on the correct side of the car so okay. that they could pull up at the side of the curb and rather than having to walk all the way around, sort of get out of the driver's side and walk all the way around, yeah. they could get out of the correct driver's side and just go step straight out onto, onto the sidewalk. Interesting idea. Uh, so we, we talked earlier on about the first ever speeding fine being for a ridiculously low speed. Uh, the fastest speed to incur a, a speeding ticket, at least in this country, uh, was uh, 192 miles per hour wow. uh, on a Nottinghamshire motorway uh, performed by a gentleman called Sean Davis uh, back in, in 2015. Apparently uh, in the UK somebody gets caught speeding every five minutes. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> you'd think they'd learn their lesson by now, really, wouldn't you? After, after you really would, yeah. Minutes. That's going to clock up a few fines, isn't it? Well, fine, fines is quite interesting. In Switzerland, they, they, they base your fine on your salary. So really? It's a proportion. It's means, means tested. Yes. <laughs> so it's a, it's a proportion of your, of your salary. So ah. you don't have to be going that fast right. to, um, to get a big fine. And the huh. biggest speeding fine, I think, was in, was in Switzerland. And it was about £180,000. Oh, my goodness. And he was only doing 85 in a 50. <laughs> wow. Still illegal. Still illegal. Um, right, so that's the biggest ever fine. Do you know what is the largest amount of money ever paid for for a car? Well, I say ever paid for, publicly known to be paid for. I don't know. I don't know what shady deals go on. This is at auction. Yes, it could be millions and millions and millions. Yes, it could. A a, a very modest fifty-two million pounds. So seventy seventy million dollars, fifty-two million pounds. This was a a nineteen sixty-eight Ferrari two fifty GTO. Of course, it was. And it was the vehicle that won the Tour de France in in nineteen sixty-eight. Uh, and it was purchased by a gentleman called David McNeil from Chicago, who, you know, had a few million to spare and just just felt like going for this car at auction. We've talked about the most expensive. We've talked about the biggest fine, fastest. So we get into the realm of land speed records and, and that sort of thing. So have they broken the sound barrier? They have broken the sound barrier. So, so we're faster are... than 660. 
Yeah, so in 1997, I was surprised it was this long ago, actually. I assumed it was much more recent, but um, the the current land speed record uh, hasn't been broken since then. So in 1997, British uh, a British fellow, Andy Green... RAF pilot Andy Green, Captain Andy Green. He drove a thrust... Yes. ...in the Black Rock Desert in America and reached 763 miles per hour. That's almost inconceivable. Isn't it? I mean, that's that's a plane on wheels. Yeah, well, it practically, it, it, it's effectively a, a, a jet engine yes. with, with four, four wheels and, and a very small cockpit. It looks, yeah. if you ever get a chance to look at thrust, get a, get a, take a look at a picture of it, it looks amazing. Mm, it does. And uh, there is, there's video of, of what Andy could actually see out of, the, out of the windscreen, which isn't a huge amount. I'm just picturing the, 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 the stars that come towards the screen as the Millennium Falcon slips into hyperdrive. It is pretty much. <laughs> and, and I guess that's why they chose a, an RAF pilot to, uh, mm. to drive it, because he's used yeah. to those kind of speeds. Yeah, yeah. Probably not quite that close to the ground, but yeah. even so. But the, 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 the terrain had to be meticulously inspected, didn't it? One slightly out-of-place stone could throw the, the vehicle completely off track, so you had people going, going up and down the, the, stretch, of, uh, the stretch of desert and, and sweeping it and making it as, as flattened and as even as possible uh, because the, 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 you know, the smallest imperfection in the, yes. in the land could and, cause... And, of course, change the direction of the wind as well could, could just yes. send it up into the air. So that's a that's a, a jet powered car. Uh, the re- the land speed record for what would sort of seem like a more traditional sort of car uh, was set in 1964 in a vehicle called Bluebird. Ah, Donald Campbell. Very good. Uh, which achieved a, a meagre 403 miles per hour, <laughs> um, which, to my mind, is still staggering. It's ridiculously um, fast. And this took place in, in Lake Erie in Australia in, in 1964. So you mentioned uh, car mascots, the, the little hood ornaments, as the Americans would, would call them. Um, I know nothing about these except sort of thinking about car manufacturer logos and and names and things like that. Do you know the origin of Vauxhall? Um, go ahead. So in Liverpool, just on the outskirts of Liverpool, there's an old medieval hall uh, which would, was, was owned by a Lord Fawkes. Fawkes spelt the same way as Guy Fawkes. And that building was called Fawkes Hall. And the surrounding area in Liverpool became known as Vauxhall. So there's a Vauxhall in Liverpool as well as in London. Um, he then moved to London and built a, a similar property, which gave rise to that part of London being called Vauxhall, which is where the car manufacturer set themselves up. The, the image, the logo on Vauxhall is a griffin, which was the coat of arms of Lord Fawkes. Ah, there you it's go. the only one I know. Well, uh, there's also a Vauxhall in, in, in Russia. I think it's one of the train stations on the, on, on the, on the Russian uh, metro. Oh, yeah, interesting. And for okay. the, named after the same thing, which yeah, is yeah. really bizarre. Yeah. But um, Vauxhalls, uh, early Vauxhalls, and I think up until very recently, they were known for having what they called nostrils. So right. if you looked at the bonnet of an old Vauxhall, and even some, some, some current ones, they've tried to re- retain a little bit of it. Hmm. Um, rather than having a flat um, bonnet, 
they have little indentations either side of the middle, which oh, yes, can look that. a bit yeah. like a septum. Yeah. And uh, that's how you could tell a voxel, apart from the griffin. Right. Um, the, 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 the nostrils on it was another way of, of telling the right. difference. And you mentioned the, the spirit of ecstasy? It, 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 it was, uh, there's actually the, the woman who posed for it, it's, it was still alive until reasonably recently. Oh. They used to actually, in the very early days, the bonnet ornament had a use because it was a, a, a thermometer. So <sighs> when you looked along the uh, bonnet of the car, at the, at the yes. end of it, where the radiator was, yes. there was a circular thing with a needle in it. Oh. And, and a red and a red zone and a green zone, and if you were overheating, the needle went into the red zone, and you knew that you had to pull over, and ah. that's how you could tell that you were that your engine was too hot. Great, Didn't but there's one of the, the there are some very expensive hood ornaments. There's uh, uh, the the French um, crystal sculptor Lalique, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, made some wonderful, beautiful head uh, hood ornaments for cars, mm. and they're worth. A lot of money if you can get mm. an original Alik um, mm. hood ornament. I think Bentley just has a capital B on theirs, doesn't it? Yes, it's it's a it, it's a winged B. A winged B. Yes, and some wing, wings feature quite strongly. It's like Aston Martin is wings as well. Hmm. Aston Martin um, uh, originally Lionel Martin, uh, who drove his cars at the Aston Hill Climb. Uh, so hence right. Aston Martin the, the again not the, Mr. Aston and Mr. Martin no the original mm. Mar the original Aston Martins were designated LM so LM1 LM15 LM18 okay Lionel Martin um, uh, and, but Aston got bought by um, a guy who made farm equipment called uh, David Brown mm. and so he thought there'd be Aston Martins but I want my name in there as well right so we've got the name of the hill climb we've got Lionel Martin's name in there I want David Brown's name to be in, in Aston Martin's mm. Hence, we get the DB2, DB. the DB3. Uh, and even though David Brown is long dead, we, we still call them DBs. Great. Well, there you go. Little nuggets of information to brighten your day. So going back several conversations about uh, the different innovations that have come along through, through motoring history. Uh, obviously, we now have electric ignition. Starter motors. Starter motors. That's the word for it. Yeah. When did that come about? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but I would imagine that it would have been about in the 20s or something like that. It would have been quite early on. It was actually 1911. Was it? Yeah. Um, so the, the, the first electric ignition was invented in, in 1911, uh, and it had a, a button rather than a, a crank handle, uh, which would be inserted into the front of the car. You turn the crank handle, and that's what started the engine. Um and uh, the, the, the idea behind inventing this, other than the fact that it was just easier, uh, was the fact that um, the crank handle could actually fly out of the front of the car once the, the engine was started. If you didn't remove it quickly enough, it could actually sort of ping off. And It broke lots of thumbs. It broke um, shins. Because ah. it would start to, if, if you were standing too close to it, it would hit your legs. Yes. But, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing was the... Um, the fact that it meant that women could drive cars much more easily because it's it's quite you need to be quite a burly sort of person to to, to turn a crank handle whereas if you're not that strong then a electric starter motor is a very easy way to start mm. a car have you ever started a car with a crank handle bruce uh i have done it once have you never do it again <laughs> I got very sweaty, and uh, I don't. I don't think I even actually got it started in the end. It was a cold day, right? But, uh, but, but you've sort of owned a, a few 
fairly vintage vehicles. Have you ever ever owned a vehicle with a a crank handle? Yes, my current my current vehicle, my Elvis, has a has a crank handle. Oh. Um, I think I think the handle is there more more for defence against um, people who are trying to attack you than than any kind <laughs> of useful uh, car related activity. Okay, but. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there, there there are still people who don't have any other choice. I mean, there's a wonderful uh, thing called the London to Brighton run. I've heard of this, uh, which happens in November, and they uh, the cars they're assembled in Regent Street as a kind mm. of like a display the day before on the Saturday. Right. So then all the vehicles move from Regent Street to Regent's Park, and mm. uh, to, actually to Hyde Park. I apologise, and they're all there, and then they 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 let them out onto the public road. Mm. These cars that some of which are over 130 years old. Wow. Uh, and they let them out onto the public roads to drive from London to Brighton. Gosh. And not all of them make it every year, but it is fabulous to watch. And I, I recommend anybody to come and have a look at the cars, check out what, what uh, weekend it's going to be in November. And it's quite, it's quite cold, obviously. Um, so all of these people are really well wrapped up and all dressed traditionally. Hmm. I, 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 cars have always been part of my life. It's, it's, it's lovely. And the kind of people who love cars are my tribe. Hmm. Great. Well, that is more information than I ever would have uh, imagined myself talking about on the topic of cars. Thank you, Bruce, for sharing your vast well, knowledge with us. Thank you, Simon, for all the research. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And thank you to our dear listeners for, for listening to Both us. Both of them. Both of them. Now we have doubled our numbers. Yeah, absolutely. We next have. week we might have a third. Who knows? Um, so please stay tuned. Come back again next week for more what of this What should people fun. do? They should like. They should subscribe. They should follow. They should shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> Um, yeah thank you for for listening and uh, we'll see you next time cheerio bye bye